0: Welcome to the Creativity Lab, the podcast that shows how to channel your creativity to live your best, most beautiful life. And now here's your host, Director of the Creativity Lab at West Los Angeles College, Harvard PhD,
1: TV writer and professor, Dr. Katherine Boutry. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Each episode we discuss a creative approach to life's challenges. Today, it's all about creative aging. Former West LA College student, Corinne Jones, talks about going back to school after 40 years in the workforce and reinventing herself to have a thriving second career in gerontology, where she's making an impact on elders' lives. Corinne is the site director and supervising care manager for the multi-purpose senior services program at Community Care Management Corps. While a graduate student in gerontology at USC, she helped develop the concept of the age-friendly university. Corinne serves as an appointed member of the California Disability and Aging Community Living Advisory Committee and the Aging and Disability Resource Connection Advisory Committee. She's committed to independence and dignity for elders and teaches us how to age creatively. So, Corinne, thank you so much for being here with us today. I remember when I first met you, I was so struck by the fact that you had reinvented yourself and had a second career. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about your educational journey. Man,
0: it was uh, it was an interesting experience. From uh, not having been in class in 40 years to taking a full load uh, here at West LA, um, it was a um, it was an experience. It was a fun experience. It was a challenging experience. But I committed myself to do it because I did want to reinvent myself and become of. Um, greater value not only to myself but to the people I wanted to serve which were older adults.
1: Can you talk a little bit about some of the obstacles and in, in coming to West and pursuing your education?
0: I, you know what the greatest obstacle uh, I, and I will admit this was the fear of being 61 years old not having sat in a classroom for 40 years um, and expecting to be with a group of very young people, you know, 17, 18 years old, um, with all the technology that was not in place, obviously, at the time when I was last in school. And how did it go? It was wonderful. How did you overcome it? Once I embraced the fact that, you know, it was, okay, it's a fear, It's it. but this is also a challenge, and this is something that I'm doing because I want to do it, and I would get into class, um, I found that because I had experience. I may not have read the book, but I had lived it. I had the lived experience. Um, Not only were the other students that were, again, very young, but the professors were very receptive. Um, I made up my mind that if I was going to be a student, I was going to be a great student, uh, a student, as a matter of fact, and did graduate with honors. But I would sit in the front of the room. uh, I would ask questions. um, I would speak from experience and what have you, and it just, I don't know, maybe I became sort of like a character, (laughs) but it worked out fine. We
1: consistently at West have students who are not 17 or 18 years old. They're coming back after their children have left home, they're going for a second career, and Without exception, those students have been among my very best because they are making a real decision and a commitment to come to campus. They're always delightful and and amazing, but I think there's a lot of fear around coming back to campus as an older
0: student. Not only does it feel different because of the age difference, though, but you know, generally, generationally. Uh, we're different. My generation was different. Even in, if if I were 17, it, it was different than these 17-year-olds are today. That's not good or bad, but it is. A, you know, it's a, an absolute fact. Did you ever have a challenge doing it? It sounds like it went really well. Did you ever feel like giving up? Did you ever have uncertainty? The biggest challenge I had was math. Uh, I wasn't that strong in math in the first place. I never liked it. It never liked me. But uh, once I came here I realized, and this is where it really revealed itself, that if I didn't master it I would not be able to graduate, which meant I would not be able to transfer. And so I was one of the people who would be in math lab every day. Every day I was on campus I would go to math lab, uh, because there's exercises and things that you get to get to do. Uh, and I also had a tutor from when I tested in, I tested in in basic math, which wasn't a struggle. They, you know, one, two, three, or whatever, wasn't a struggle. But the algebra part of it was horrid. And I made up my mind I could not, I couldn't, it wasn't, I didn't come here to, to not get out, but I had to do what I needed to do. So again, I, I had tutors. Uh, I took extra classes, um, you know, online type things and what have you. And when I mastered statistics, I was the happiest person in the world and I kept saying, I don't ever want to see you again. You probably don't ever want to see me again either. But uh, I just, you know, I I had a motto when I was in high school or, or my high school's motto was, you find a way or you make one. And I am not a quitter and I was not going to be defeated by math.
1: Can you talk a little bit about your whole trajectory? You had a career at AT&T. Yes. Then you decided to go back to school. And then where did you go? How did the
0: whole, how did it all fit together? I started uh, at AT&T when I was 16 years old. I went for the summer, had a little summer job. And at the end of the summer, they asked me if I'd like to stay on permanent part time. And I said, well, you know, I've got to ask my mom, you know, because she has real 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 attitudes about education and she said it's okay if you work the max would be 20 hours a week as long as your grades don't suffer because you're not i i'm not about having you work i'm about having you get through school and so i stayed i worked my little 20 hours and a little extra during the christmas holidays or spring break when i graduated high school though they asked me to come on permanent full-time and I did, and then they promoted me to a clerical position. I left, and went downtown, and it was exciting. And my mom says, you need to enroll in school. I, so I took a couple of college classes, and I was like, eh, why, why am I in college? I mean, I got a good job in the whole nine yards. So I did that for 30 years. I stayed at AT&T. I eventually became an outside sales representative. Um, and when my friends were in school going to get their teaching credentials, I laughed and said, I'm making 90 grand a year you know what are you guys talking about so um when i when i when i i'm sorry when i retired i was only 46 which is not typically a retirement age and everybody that i knew was still working um i found after two years of travel 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 that what i was going to do if i kept on was just run out of money and still be retired so i began to volunteer and the volunteer work that i did was characteristically with older adults. And through that, I became more interested, and I said, you know, well, maybe I'll see if I can get back in school and learn some stuff. Well, I came to West, and um, hadn't quite figured out that political science was the title of what I wanted to be involved with, but that's what I enrolled in, and that's kind of how I started. When I finished here, I went to, uh, as I said, I went to LMU, and while at LMU, I took an elder law class, and my professor, came over to me and she said, so what are you going to do when you graduate here? And I said, I don't know. I haven't figured it out. I'll get a job. And she said, no, 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 you need to get a master's in gerontology. And I said, I I never thought about that. And she said, but yeah, think about that. Because the best school, the oldest school in gerontology is at USC. And she said, I'm writing you a a letter of reference and there's somebody else that can and you'll get in. And and I'm like, okay, so that's kind of how I came up to end up doing gerontology. It's amazing, isn't it, how we can have a
1: conversation. One conversation can change our lives, or one mentor, or one person. So it sounds like she was really that person for you. Very powerful. Very powerful. What drew you to working
0: with the elderly when you first started volunteering? What I did as a volunteer uh, was work as a, uh, it was called a state-certified high-cap counselor. And what I found is that They would come and they would bring paperwork and have issues and concerns about Medicare and Medi Cal, but then they would also ask questions about, you know, housing or, you know, do you know any way that, how do, how do, I'm on a fixed income and I'm not getting enough to eat. Do you know of any program that I could, could learn, you know, about that I could get food to eat? And the questions were, you know, they were spot on, obviously, but they were, they were very thought provoking for me. And I thought, you know, Maybe this there's something to this. There's, some, there's a lot of questions, and if they're asking me, and I'm just a little volunteer over here, maybe I ought to get into this a little deeper and see if there isn't something somewhere that I could get involved and, you know, really make a difference. That's incredibly impressive. It sounds like you have a real opportunity to
1: make an impact on people's lives. Um, are there any stories that you want to share or any examples of... Things that you've done in your career that you're
0: particularly proud of? One of the biggest problems for older adults in our system is that if you qualify or think you qualify for Medi-Cal as an an example, you have to fill out mountains of paperwork. If you think you qualify for CalFresh, which is food stamps, mountains of paperwork. Everything's paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. And the average age of the, the folks that I work with is 80. It's a single female. She's generally low income. Her education may be, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade. And believe it or not, although the paperwork is supposed to be geared towards a certain level, it's extremely intense. And a lot of it, you know, they'll say, well, go online and download such and such. Well, you're 80 years old. You've never used a computer. Okay, well, you got a smartphone, but you only know how to dial out on it or to answer it, you know. Um, And and so one of the things that I worked very closely with was streamlining the paperwork process. There ought to be one spot that you can enter into. If you qualify for Medi-Cal, then you should obviously be qualified for CalFresh. If you're qualified for CalFresh, then you should be obviously qualified for free uh, bus passes, Um, things like that. And so I was able to work with not just myself, but a group of us uh, through the state of California Department of Aging. And we now have a one page document that gives all the information that most social service entities need in order to identify you and to know that you've already pre-qualified for this or that and you must just obviously be qualified then for all this other stuff. And it's making a difference, a tremendous difference. CalFresh, I believe, is getting ready to roll out um, their part of it uh, sometime between now and June, and it's just really exciting because it's it alters in a positive way the lives of the people that we most need to be concerned about altering.
1: How does a creative approach to aging benefit seniors and their families?
0: There is a, a great amount of fear, I think, still, um, about ageism and and you know getting older and all those things. And I mean, it's a serious change of life. Uh, particularly when an older adult has to give up their driver's license, it removes their independence. Um, most of them do not want to be a burden, either financially or physically, on their children and, you know, or, or even their spouses. And so when, when I think about um, the, the, the creativity and what it, what it kind of means to be older, the fear of being old drives a lot of people in a negative way, and there's really no need for it. The older adult today is aging differently than my mother or my grandmother. They're baby boomers. Uh, They're not content to sit on the front porch in a rocking chair. They want to be active. They want to be able to go for walks. They want to have parks that are well lit and sidewalks that, you know, don't have, where they, it's a trip hazard. They want to be able to get on a bus and, and go to a mall or go to a movie or have a little bite to eat at a little, you know, cafe or something. And they don't necessarily want somebody shepherding them every place and every time that they go somewhere. It's a different theme of aging. They're not interested in watching TV and soaps all day long. They're really, really interested in continue, continuing to live their lives. Um, it's the twilight of their lives, and they should be able to do that without all kinds of restrictions and controls and people dictating you know, what they can and can't do, where they can and cannot go. Can you tell me a little bit about Age-Friendly University? When I first came back to California from my internship, uh, I had been exposed to the Age-Friendly Concept, which is the World Health Organization an AARP, um, it's, it's a directive being, being kind of guided by them. And I was disappointed to find that there was no such thing, or had never heard of such a thing, here in the Los Angeles area or in the state of California. Well, when I was, while I was a student at USC, one of our professors was talking about the fact that we needed, you know, we're a big city, why are we not age-friendly? I mean, this is the big thing happening. And so she put together what was called a Wicked Problems Practicum. Um, and she we had to apply for it, and then be interviewed for it, and whatever. I made the cut, and we came from so many different walks of life, but also different um, educational uh, uh, pursuits. I was in gerontology. They had someone that was involved with geo design that had to do with street mapping and things like that. Uh, we had psychologists, we had psychiatrists, we had a bunch of different people, and the whole purpose for us being together and meeting for that semester was to come up with the things that Los Angeles and Southern California ultimately could do to become age-friendly. It was a very different tact than I think other states had taken and other programs that were other cities and what that were trying to become age-friendly had done. And as part of it, um, our research project, mine was for the Culver City area, uh, we came out and we walked the streets, we went over to the senior center, we interviewed different people to find out what they thought age-friendly meant and what would be in their mind the best things to have. And we were quite surprised to find that while we thought the biggest drive um, for being age-friendly in Culver City, as an example, was to fix the sidewalks, the actual biggest, I I take that back, I'm sorry, we thought that it was to get the bus service so that it would go that last mile, which, which means instead of dropping people off in the middle of the block, if, you're, if you have a group of people that are trying to get to a medical center, you drive down to the medical center and let them off there. Turns out it wasn't bus transportation, it was the sidewalks. The sidewalks in uh, the Culver City area and great numbers of them, uh, the trees have uprooted them and they're horrible. They're narrow, you, so a wheelchair can't pass down them. They're not safe for somebody to walk on. And we learned that by talking to folks. We had them come onto campus one day um, and kind of do round tables, you know, five or six people, and we interviewed them, and then we, we kind of switched, and everybody went to another table. And so, when we were all done with that, we actually presented it to the county of Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles, and the result was they took some of our best recommendations and have now, had, or after that, filed to become age-friendly, and through my professor, uh, Caroline Cicero, uh, she has that designated or had USC designated as the age-friendly university in Southern California. Um, What that has also helped to do, Governor Newsom has rolled out a master plan for aging, which is very exciting for California. It's the first state in the United States to have a master plan for aging that's a state-based program, and he's doing all sorts of fantastic things. Um, the areas of interest for aging friendly have to do with housing that's convenient and you know, well-priced. It has to do with transportation. It has to do with green spaces so that older adults can go out and sit in a park and it not be you know pitch black dark and things like that. It also has to do with walking areas, reasonable walking areas, food options that are not 30 miles away. When you put all those things together, you make an area age-friendly. And so that's what's happening in California. And it, it, you, I mean, I would say to everybody, watch, because some big stuff is coming down the pipeline. What's the best way to age
1: creatively? I'm sure we all want to know from what you've seen. <laughs> what are, how do you want to age? What would, what's the best way to be happy as you age?
0: To do the things that you want to do. Um, I was talking to an elderly lady who's uh, 93 years old and her children had restricted the amount of, um, and I understand from their perspective, they didn't want her to have ice cream more than once a week. Uh, they didn't want her to have beef. They didn't want her to have a little glass of wine. She's 93 years old, and she lived a very full and wonderful life, and she still has more life to live. But why should she do it under these restrictions that someone says, well, you know, it's not good for you. It Maybe not, but guess what? You're 93. You're 85, you've had a full life. And what is life if it's not for living? That's different things to different people. So if my life means that I wanna be able to walk to the grocery store and you, know, uh, you know, chit chat with everybody that's in there, or my life is I wanna go down and have a yogurt or I wanna have an ice cream, or I wanna go and you know, sit and have a, a glass of red wine, then I should be able to do that. And nobody should tell me any different. We have the right to absolute self-determination. That's actually a law. But people say, well, yeah, but I know better. And maybe you do, but maybe you really don't. For me, I want to be able to be healthy, happy, go where I want to go when I want to go there. Um, I have this crazy osteoarthritis in my left knee. I wanted to get out, uh, go somewhere and sit down, leave me alone, and I, I so that I can do things. I've always wanted to travel to Europe. I've never been there. Uh, once I get my knee fixed and ready, I want to be able to walk you know, through the streets of Amsterdam and, and, and just see what there is to see, you know, really just live. It's different things for different people, but I know for sure that for those who want the opportunity to go out and do it, they should have the absolute
1: right. It sounds like you have a lot, but what would you say your strongest creativity strengths
0: are? Probably audacity, <laughs> along with a little tenacity. I would uh, agree. <laughs> 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 I was when I was thinking about uh, some things. I, I kept saying, "Okay, what are the buzzwords then?" And I kept going back to. I said, "I don't want to sound ridiculous to myself, but I I'm, I have audacity. You know, I I can control things. So I do. Um, I'm not afraid um, to try different things. Uh, I step up to a challenge, and I say to myself, "Oops, well, that was more than I you know thought it was going to be." I can sidestep it and go on and do something else.
1: Yeah, well, Matisse said that creativity takes courage, so it sounds like you embody that 100%. I would totally <laughs> agree with that, yeah.
0: I would totally agree with that.
1: Is there any creativity trait you'd like to work
0: on more? My biggest problem as I sit here is being patient. I'm very, and I, when I say that, I'm impatient with um, f- probably processes and even people who don't seem to get it? Can I interrupt and so say, what do you mean by get it? I believe that the experience that older adults have brought to this world, the fact that they were founders in many instances of many many different things, have set the bar for many many different things. Needs to be given account and be, be given. Um, let, let's let's give them the props. Uh, when I was in gerontology at uh, USC, I was in a class and. You know, there were youngsters and they were a little disrespectful in my mind. And I thought, you know, if you keep living, I promise you, you're going to be old someday. Remember that. And when you're making rules and laws and changing things, remember that this is a path that if you live long enough, if you keep living, you're going to pass, pass to. So let's be mindful because someone is not 25 doesn't mean they're obsolete. Don't push them to the side. There's a lot of ageism in, in, our, in our country, um, in our state, in our, you know, and all around, and it's not appropriate. Nobody that's 70 expects to be able to look in Act 25. Respect that, because nobody that's 25 is expected to look in Act 70. It's OK. You be you and allow me or us or older adults to be ourselves, and we can all get along. I have a lot of experience. I've, I've been a lot of places. I've seen a lot of stuff. Some of it doesn't even exist anymore because of the, you know, the times we've lived in and, and things are changed and moved around and, and what have you. And so, to the extent that I have some experience and something to say, give me some value for that. Don't just say, oh, you know, well, you know, how long do you think you're going to be able to work? Why are you in this job? I need this job. I should be able to do as long as I'm able to do it 100% and not be challenged because you're 35 and you're not in the room with me, if you know what I mean. That's a
1: beautiful perspective. I think that's really important for us all to to keep in mind. How has having this experience in gerontology and having this privileged perspective
0: changed the way you live your life? I guess I have to say it has in some ways. Um, The job that I took when I graduated from USC is in Northern California, uh, an eight-hour drive away, about uh, just at 500 miles away from the Southern California area that I, or, you know, I've lived in all my life, or had lived in all my life. And I saw the job. I wanted it. I was excited about it, because I had done an internship in Washington DC that was very similar to it. And I thought, well, OK, I'm going to pack up and move eight hours away from my family, new everything. How is that? What, who does that? And I thought, well, Corinne would. Corinne <laughs> so would. I would. You know, I would. And if I don't like it, guess what? I can come back. Uh, I'm going, going on four years there now. And uh, it's been one of the most exciting times in my life. It's very different, but it's very exciting. I come from inner city Los Angeles to a city of 16,000 on its best day. Um, and it's just different. But it's been an experience, and it's been really, really interesting. Challenging because I have no family, you know, or or um, haven't developed any real deep friendships and what have you, but I went there to do a job, and I'm doing it, and I love it. It's a passionate piece of um, work for me, and I, I really enjoy it. So I'm glad I made the move. It sounds
1: like that was already amazing advice for our students or anybody considering, you know, scary next step that seems like something they want to do, but they're not sure. Uh, And I'm sure I know what you would say, but (laughs) what would your advice be to community college students at West, to anybody who uh, is looking at obstacles, feeling a little bit overwhelmed maybe, wondering if
0: they should make a life change? Ignore people who have no real objective in life. Pick the ones that are best for you. Try them. If they don't work, Try something else. Don't be afraid. Don't let people dictate um, what you should and shouldn't do, how you should and shouldn't behave. Had I listened um, to the friends that know and love me, I would never have decided to move. You know, 500 miles away from everybody. But I did it, and I'm so glad I did. Um, do they tease me and say, "When are you coming back home?" Yes, they do. But the the greatest thing is. Even through fear, even through through um, reluctance, do what you need to do. The young people today have a greater opportunity to have multiple careers, way better than I did. You know, back in my day, you get a job and it's a good job, you stay there. But they can be everything. You know, maybe you want to be a doctor, and then you decide, no, I want to be a lawyer. No, I think I I want to you know be a plumber. You can be all of those things and don't be afraid to try them. Nothing makes a failure but a try. And the other thing to anybody is remember that age is a number and it's a state of mind. That's all it is. It does not have to set you up to be who you are or to be what somebody else thinks that you are. Rise to the occasion. Step up to the challenge. If it's not working, if you don't like it, you can always pull back and go do something else.
1: That's amazing. Will you come back to West when we do our creativity lab problem solving around aging? Will I would love back? to. That would be amazing. I would Yay. love to. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. for